Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Roar, growl, snarl, bellow. Welcome to Paleobites, the podcast that, like the separation of tectonic plates, creates big rifts. My name is Matthew Dahl, and each week I and a rotating series of guest co-hosts talk about and rate a genus of prehistoric animal, be it dinosaur, mammal, arthropod, and so on. This week I'm joined by esteemed Audubon Center. Was it a center? <laughs> Audubon Master Birder. Audubon Master Birder. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a member of the Audubon uh, program, <laughs> uh, and you're an Audubon Master Birder, and I'm not just piping you up because you're my father. <laughs> It's uh, the namesake of the Donald and Matthew Donald. It's Donald Hall. How are you? Hello. I'm very good. Thank you. Yeah. And hello, all of you dinosaur nerds. Yeah, I yeah. am a longtime bird nerd. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing uh, I was going to ask you because at the beginning of each episode, I'd ask like a dinosaur-related question, usually something silly, but I had a specific one for you. Uh, so you've always been into birds, right? Like ever since you were a kid, I assume, or like... I think about the second grade. Yes, second grade. Now, you also grew up with dinosaurs, but you grew up with dinosaurs being very lizard-like and cold-blooded and other stuff. So when when it started becoming more apparent to you that like dinosaurs were birds, like did it like surprise you or like it did. It really did because I did grow up when dinosaurs were just lizards. They yeah. were cold-blooded. They dragged their tails on the ground and to find out that they actually are the the precursors to birds and that birds in fact are dinosaurs was really kind of startling yeah i could see that and i think 
the, there's a, there was a couple of times in pop culture where it started to become really apparent, like Jurassic Park, of course, especially because that was one of the first live action movies to have them be really active and moving. Of course, with the CGI, it allowed that to be. Uh, but then, like Land Before Time was the first one to show the long neck dinosaurs with their tails always above the ground. So that's kind of neat. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and you, so I, th- I just thought it'd be interesting to sort of find out this thing you've loved for so long and this random other thing. It's like, oh, wow, this is actually where they come from. Well, and then actually to find out more recently that dinosaurs, in fact, had feathers. Yeah, and some and, famous ones, too. Like they think T-Rex had feathers, for goodness sake. And, and so if you imagine that if we were to look at a bird skeleton – and we would think that the bird tail would drag in the ground the way that we used to think the old Baronosaurus tail dragged in the ground. In fact, no bird drags this tail in the ground. They all have them sitting well, up. What around. about like those peacocks? But when they're not, when they're not like upward, they could. Well, you're talking about the feathers and not the tail. Yeah, bones. well, they don't have tail bones. So they, like, they do. They have a little tail bones well, that that's stick true, out. Yeah. But the the feathers may drag, but not the tails. Right. Right. That makes sense. Uh, but no, like, and like some of the dinosaurs get more and more bird like. What did we think of Velociraptor actually looked like? It looks, it's basically a roadrunner. Like, it, like, it looks like a, it has the tail fan, lives in the desert. It, like, you know, has the crest. It, it, it basically is a roadrunner, what yep. we think it is now. If you take a look at young uh, sandhill cranes, yes. If you take a look at, at, at pelicans, yes. You can easily see that they're dinosaurs. Yes. And the remarkable thing is this is the form of dinosaur that survived uh, all of the extinction events and and now thrives. Right. I think that's – I mean that's a pretty badass moniker like birds, the dinosaurs that survived. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I've always liked dinosaurs. You've always liked birds and this kind of brought our interests together. And so uh, I thought you'd be a good addition for the show. And plus you are a master birder at Audubon and you, I, I hear you might – be wanting to have some sort of podcast for them, person? Yeah, you have done so well with these podcasts, and uh, I, I'm just always uh, impressed that you hear well, from listeners well, and you. they want to be in the show or they want to send you something. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, there's got to be a lot of bird nerds out there who would be equally interested in talking about birds in a oh, for half sure. serious way. Well, and also, I think it'd be kind of interesting, like, especially for an audio medium like a podcast, maybe someone could edit in like bird noises and you have to have listeners identify this bird or something like that. <laughs> or I don't know, some, some sort Good of point. Game. Good point. Yeah, I don't know. But like, yeah, so you're a master bird. You can identify every bird in Colorado and almost every bird in the United States, right? Well, I'm not going to claim that. Okay. Well, I don't think any of our listeners are going to test you on that. <laughs> but if you do, message me at podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, Anyway, so we're speaking of birds. We're talking about uh, an ex- a recently extinct animal, but did actually survive for quite a while and was very, very prevalent in, in North America. We're talking about Ectopistis or the passenger pigeon. Uh, Ectopistis is its genus name. Ectopistis, it's like communist or something, or like it's, it's something that just shows how prevalent it was. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, and you and you know so much about the passenger pigeon, don't you? <laughs> I, I've been fascinated by the passenger pigeon, and and kind of in a Jurassic Park way. Yeah, there's actually a project to bring passenger pigeons back, doing pretty much what they were doing in Jurassic Park. I, I did. I was looking at that, and I also read some one of the problems some people have with it. This I thought was interesting was the cloned babies would have normal pigeon parents, and normal pigeons would raise them differently. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, 
who knows? Like, but I guess there's just something we'll have to figure out because I, I, it's like they mentioned in Jurassic Park when Hammond was like trying to counter Hammond with well, Hammond was trying to counter Malcolm with like the condors. If it brought back the condors, you'd have no problem. And Malcolm was like, well, yeah, but that's not. This isn't victims of deforestation. Dinosaurs had their shot. The passenger pigeons didn't have their shot. We we took it from them. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyways, uh, type is a columbid, a group of birds that includes pigeons, doves, and the extinct dodos. Uh, size, 15.4 to 16.1 inches, 39 to 41 centimeters long, 9 to 12 ounces, or 260 to 340 grams. Now, how big is that compared to a regular pigeon? Think <laughs> of pigeons as the birds that fly around city squares. They would be smaller than that. But if you think of them as, as doves, which is they really are, they would be slightly bigger than morning doves. Okay. So these are like the, the size of the ones released at weddings or something. Like. Yeah, bigger than that. <laughs> okay. Bigger than that. And they were, they were bulky. They, uh, they had fairly large chests, and that was kind of their demise. Right. Oh, the chest. Interesting. Diet was an omnivore, ate mostly like uh, trees, st- tree and um, seeds and other sort of stuff, but also ate like invertebrates and like fruit, I read. so Yes, and they, they ate what was called mast Yes, products, that's what the word tournament was. Yes, mast. Uh, which like hickory nuts, walnuts, uh, berries. They ate all kinds of stuff from trees. And in fact, one of the problems bringing them back is that we've destroyed some of the trees like hickory trees and things like that. We don't, we don't have horse chestnuts uh, around like existed. When are they, they extinct around. or are they just rare? They're rare. They've okay. been, they've been impacted by diseases. Okay. I see. All right. So time, this is what I thought was interesting. I thought it would just be like, Oh, only recent. No late Pliocene to early Holocene, which is 5.3 million to 100 years ago. So these passenger pigeons were around, when there were camels and mammoths and like uh, saber-toothed cats, all those other North American megafauna, they were there during all of it. And even before, like 5.3 million years ago, that's older than actually any hominid that we know. Like Australopithecus was 4 million years old. So hmm. they predate humans and human ancestors other than like the apes that like split into hominids and chimpanzees. So yeah, so they've been around for a while. I always think it's interesting to think about like, like cause like, so many, especially recently, like so many modern animals lived alongside so many prehistoric animals. We just lost the prehistoric ones. Like I read an interesting fact that apparently Siberian tigers are almost perfectly designed for killing mammoths. Huh. <laughs> like Interesting. Because like the way they pounce, the way they jump on their prey, they're built for a prey that is far larger than what they currently have. <laughs> so they were good at killing mammoths when they were there. And I just think that's fascinating. A Siberian tiger <laughs> with a mammoth. Uh, so anyways, um, so yeah, so 5.3 million to just 100 years ago. P- particularly, I think the last one died in this thing was the Cincinnati Zoo. Cincinnati Zoo. Uh, that seems to be a lot of them is where they uh, – I've read that one has a lot of the last ones. Yeah. Uh, it was in 1914, I believe. Yep. Two terrible things happened that year. World War One, <laughs> the demise of the passenger pigeon. <laughs> Pretty equally terrible stuff. Yeah. Uh, so um, this actually isn't the, the most recent animal we've covered on the show. Uh, the Tasmanian tiger is the most recent one ah. that died in the 30s. Benjamin is the last one's name. We actually have a date for when it died. I didn't look and see what the date is. I'm sure we have a date for this one too. Yes, there is. Uh, it's like I think, yeah, Benjamin was like – the extinct wizard was like Sunday. Like – some 1936 or something. And the last passenger pigeon's name was Martha. Martha, that's right. They tried desperately to find male passenger pigeons for Martha, but they couldn't. I just feel like, though, at that point, I mean, 
if even if they found a male, all the chicks would be inbred though after that. But I guess you just gotta work with what you gotta work with to bring it back. You gotta work with what you gotta work with. Yeah, so but I just hope the ultimate example of how recent this can get in the show. I'm really afraid that I'll cover an animal at some point where it was alive when the show started in 2019, but has since gone extinct. And I'm like, oh, that would suck. But it's my show. I can choose not to do that. Uh, location all throughout North America. Well, um, no, not really all throughout North America. Mainly uh, okay. in so the this is why east, I brought you along. You're the, you're the expert. In the eastern United States. Okay. Uh, there were flocks that they think came through Colorado, which is where we're broadcasting from. But mainly they were in the eastern part of the United States. Right. So was the Rocky Mountains like a barrier for them? They couldn't really fly over the mountains? Well, I mean, if you think about what their food source was, it was tree fruits. So mm-hmm. anything it, they had to have large, uh, uh, mature forests that had lots of f- seeds, nuts, and things like that. And that didn't exist uh, actually from the Great Plains on. Right. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. That makes sense a lot. Um, Described in, in 1766 was when it was officially scientifically described. Pop culture appearances, lots of documentaries about anthropogenic extinction. As well, there was a movie from 2010 literally called Passenger Pigeons. It's not about passenger pigeons, it's about miners. For, miners is in digging, not miners is in underage people. Huh, never heard of that. That's uh, interesting. It's what's called a, known as a mumblecore film, which is a, basically a movie with naturalized and usually improvised dialogue, low-budget production, emphasis on dialogue over plot, and for, focus on personal relationships of young adults. In other words, average film school students. Huh films nerds never heard of that <laughs> anyway now nah, i respect all nerds all right so passenger pigeon um i didn't normally for these episodes i you know i as well as doing all the stats i also write a little bit of blurb here to try and tell the listener it's like i teach the listener what i know but in this instance the, the roles are reversed you know way more about this than i do so i know you didn't prepare a blurb or anything but you could just talk on the <laughs> out of the blue so tell us about passenger pigeons don <laughs> Well, it's interesting. If you go back to when passenger pigeons were being written about, there was a general during the the War of 1812, a British general was near the White House, near Washington, D.C., and passenger pigeons started coming over their camp. The, The sky got dark. It looked like it was nighttime, and it went on for hours but it was hours and hours and it was a flock of passenger fish there's so many of them i read that like they numbered in the billions they numbered in the billions and they would they would fly from five or six feet above the ground to oh probably uh two or three hundred feet and they would they would essentially be clouds and clouds of these birds uh that would fly there weren't that many flocks of them which Mm -hmm. was to their detriment and they would roost in trees together. When they would roost at night, the trees' branches would often break from the weight because there was of these so many birds. of them. So when you said there wasn't that many flocks, it's more like there were like a few flocks, but the flocks were just massive, kind of like ant swarms. Yes, yes, but there was like I think there may have been three flocks of passenger pigeons. <laughs> kind of, it sounds like the Argentinian ants, where it's like they just group up. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean they're. Safety in numbers. Well, apparently not. <laughs> apparently, that was actually there to their detriment because, like, yeah, all together, it made it easy to kill them. Yeah, so they were hunted, they were eaten, but billions. Surely, there's more than that. I would think disease would kill them. Then, right? That's just so many. It really was predation. Uh, they would fly so low to the ground that when a flock would go over. People would get sticks and liturgy swat at them. Oh my God. And swat 
hundreds and thousands of these birds. That's amazing. They were so good to eat. They would take them and cook them at the market. And I said earlier, they had these big, uh, heavy breasts that right. were just really good meat. Mm -hmm. And so they would sell them. Uh, for for nothing, a penny a bird, and and they were it was good meat. It was delicious meat because I I heard part of the problem with dodos was that was not good meat. <laughs> they they killed. It was mainly they tried to eat them for meats, but then it was like kind of gamey and kind of, and so mainly after that was deforestation and competition from when they brought in their own animals and that killed off the dodos. Well, so ground bird, yes, that would be the that would be the issue. But the passenger pigeons, because they fly, they because they roosted at night in the same areas. Uh, hunters were able to find these trees and they actually developed uh, all kinds of methods for getting nets around them and, and basically killing millions of them at one time. Oh and as the flock started to decline, it was really the start of Audubon. One of the first Audubon rangers yes. was hired to try to protect them and was killed by hunters oh God. who didn't want uh, the murder trees so they be, could keep poaching and so hunting. So they could keep that's killing what, the birds. Oh my God. I guess if you kill animals, that's really just one step removed from killing people. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of serial killers start off by torturing animals, I think I've heard. But they were a pretty bird. They they looked a lot like a, a morning dove, which is kind of dull, except they had an orange breast. Right. And so they so think of a dove and a robin combined. That sounds beautiful. And you have this really pretty bird. So when they flew over, it was like an orange cloud oh, wow. going over. That sounds crazy. Um, do we have any idea of what they sounded? like no okay like there's no record of like they sounded differently like, wrote of. down no probably just sound like a it was just because a mooring dove sounds so much different from a pigeon so i was like you know i'm sure people because because they they were around after recordings were made i'm sure somebody thought to make a recording of them it's like that youtube you can find on youtube a recording colorized digitally of a tasmanian tiger in the zoo it's mm, just the, the way it's right. just it's just an animal although when it yawns it, it stretches its jaw so wide that was one of yeah. the things that, that it's crazy to see that just how recent some of these things were but yeah so billions that's just incredible and, and do you think i mean i don't know if this is something you've ever considered because i just found out like they've lasted for five million years do you do you think they were always that prevalent, or maybe the the extinction of the megafauna made them more, made their population explode, or is that not, would not not be related at all? Are you asking if there was always that many? Yeah, I, I think there probably were more than that. Oh, like like back in prehistoric before that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that the flock size was enormous. Yeah, uh, you know the the effect that that people have had on these animals has been devastating I, I it's like the fish in the ocean right there were there were schools of fish that were so thick uh that they would look like clouds going under the water well before like, we started to fish them. I, I remember i remember we, when we were watching i think it was something we got from the museum a lewis and clark documentary and they really built up when one of them was going up the hill and seeing all the bison and just how incredible of a, sh of a image that would be for you just hundreds upon thousands of bison of these multi-ton animals. Well, and in many ways, the passenger pigeon was in the air with the bison was in the ground because there weren't that many different herds of bison. Yeah. But the herds were enormous. As they went by, they would go by literally for days because mm -hmm. there were so many of them. Right. And they had an entire ecosystem that existed around them. I mean, yeah. uh, cowbirds, which right. is a like bird that is is parasite, lays its eggs in other birds' nests. The cowbirds followed the bison, and so they could not stay anywhere long enough to lay eggs in a nest. So they 
laid them in other birds' nests. I mean, wow. there was a whole ecosystem, and there was a whole ecosystem that went with the passenger pigeons. So what would be the benefit of bringing them back other than, I guess, to just say we could? Is there anything you think we – maybe I think that's kind of like the only reason. Because, like, as much, I mean, it would be nice to have them back, but I guess is the it sounds like the ecosystem isn't built for them anymore. Well, that's an excellent point because part of the problem with bringing them back, well, they would never be in the numbers that we had Yeah, uh, because there, there's, it's not the habitat. We've destroyed the yeah. the horse it's, chestnuts, so there's not the. It's sort of yeah. It's one, the same reason why I'm against them bringing back a mammoth because the world is not built for mammoths anymore. If you bring back a mammoth, it's just going to be a glorified zoo attraction. <laughs> yeah, there is no way that passenger pigeons, as they existed in the 1800s, could exist now. We've just what? we've destroyed too much habitat. We've we've don't have the wild space that it would take for that size bird. And they tried before the passenger pigeons became extinct. There were always breeders who tried to keep different yeah. kinds of birds and they tried to send them to England to different breeders. Passenger pigeons need enormous numbers. They, they needed enormous populations to survive. They're not a they're not a bird that could survive with just ten or fifteen individuals. Well, that does sound definitely sound like a weakness. <laughs> Strength yeah. in numbers only works if you're also strong by yourself. I think <laughs> maybe I don't know. To not end this episode on a downer, I guess. What do you at Audubon plan to do to help make the current birds world better? I guess. Oh, that is the, that's a huge question. Right now, you know, climate change is having a devastating impact on birds. It's affecting their habitats. It's affecting the timing for when the, the animals that they eat are available. Uh, and so at Audubon, what we're trying to do, actually National Audubon has an initiative to try to preserve hundreds of thousands of square miles of Central America, South America, and North America so that we can really create habitats for birds for now and in the future. And, and I them. think, you know, some people are doomers about all of it. And I think that's not really a good way to be. It's like, oh, we're all going to be, we're all going to die. We're going to be extinct. But I'm like, well, no, don't, we, we can keep trying. And like, also when I say, don't be a doomer, I'm not saying not work for it. I'm not, I'm just trying to make sure people, because like saying, oh, it's all going to, it's basically the same thing as saying, oh, everything's going to be fine. It just means no one does anything. Well, this, so. is, this is an event, the global warming is an event that's going much more rapidly than normal change in temperature. Yeah, it, it happens in nature, but, but we're just speeding nature it Nature will adapt. We will adapt, and, and we, we might stop it. We might slow it down, or because, like, I think uh, we're, we're getting better. We're not great, and we're but I think we've avoided the worst of it. We're not going to turn Earth into Venus at this point, <laughs> like some people feared. We start a runaway greenhouse gas effect. <laughs> But uh, thankfully, that's not going to happen. But we just keep trying and doing our thing. Um, yeah. Well, I know most of your listeners are young. Yes. And I am thrilled because those are the people that are going to change the world and make it a better place for all wildlife. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think we're doing an okay job. Like certain animals like um, whale populations are increasing. In fact, I heard not only are they – they're almost at the point that they were at before whaling started. We've oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, uh, particularly for some species of whales, like humpback whales, they believe now there's actually more humpback whales than existed before whaling even started. That's incredible. Uh, but yeah. All right. So uh, let's rate passenger pigeon one out of 65 million because <laughs> that's what we do on this show. Uh, personally, I'm going to rate it like a 15 million because I, I, I think it's more interesting in terms of like an anthropologist. 
talking about anthropogenic extinction, but to me, it just looks like a regular pigeon. But I get, I get why it's different, but it's like, it's not cool enough for me, but I like it as a concept. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, you going to rate it? Four I would million. say 64 million. Yeah, okay. Because I think they're pretty cool birds. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you, you would definitely think that, you bird nerd. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Don, for coming on the show. If you want to get a hold of the show, you can contact me at paleobitespodcast at gmail.com, at paleobitespod on Twitter, and paleobitespodcast on Instagram. Uh, where can they find you, or if not you specifically, where can they find Audubon, I guess? Well, go to audubon.com okay. and uh, – You'll, you'll get all kinds of information. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I have a book series in Amazon, Megazoic, available for print and Kindle. No passenger pigeons in it because that was a little bit later in the timeline. Tesla Knots is another book series I have. That's a little bit later. That's a little bit before the timeline because I took place in 1922, so eight years after the passenger pigeons went extinct. So that one's also – there's no passenger pigeons in that either. Uh, anyways, all right. Well, that's it for this week. As I say at the end of every episode of Paleo Bites, uh, do a bird call. That's what I do. What's a what's a Moringov do like? The, that one that clock always scared me when I got to the morning one. It was I was an eerie cry. Anyways, bye. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.